This morning we are going to, to be looking at um, a scripture. Um, sometimes when I read some or tell people to open some books in the Bible, I would normally say, I'll give you time to find it. Um, this morning we are going to be reading from um, the book of Zephaniah or where I come from, we call it the book of Zephaniah. Um, um, that will be our main text. Um, brothers and sisters, um, I've said this in the past, and I still urge you, children of God, people of God, to continue searching the scriptures each time you hear me teach in this church or wherever you will find me sharing Christ. Because I believe it is the right thing to do. And brothers and sisters, when anybody shares the word of God or claims to share the word of God, never feel guilty when you have a question or when you have to question them because it is the right thing to do. Brothers and sisters, I would love to remind you that each time I speak, from this pulpit and from every other pulpit that I speak from. And maybe you happen to be there and I say something that you think is not biblical or scriptural. Please take the time, question me. Because if I say the word of God says, I must be able to say this is where the word of God says what I've just claimed. And this is how we as the children of the Most High God are supposed to live. Brothers and sisters, as I say this, I always, I think, you know, I always share this with you or I always encourage you from the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, verses 10 and 11. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11 reads as follows. This is when Paul was teaching. Okay, he first taught the Thessalonians and then from there he moved to, okay, he was actually taken away to Berea. It reads as follows, then the brethren, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were, that, that is referring to the Bereans, these were more fair-minded. Other versions say these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were true. So each time I teach you, each time somebody says to you, the Bible says, take time. Make the time to go find the scriptures that they are purporting or claiming to be speaking from. Brothers and sisters, let us come to today's message. If you remember, three weeks ago, Ndatemukudi Brajon spoke to us about what was in the cup. You remember that, those of you who were here. And then two weeks ago, Ndatemukwena spoke to us about the centrality of Christ or about the mystery of Christ. Last week, Sesibusi taught us that salvation is God's plan, not ours. It is his plan, not ours. Her message was aptly or correctly or rightly. Um, what is it? Summarized, it's a love thing. It is about the love of God. Well, you know, the concept that Sesbusi spoke to, um, maybe I must still have a meeting with her, you know, and, and ask her to continue on that one because it is actually a very, very deep theological or biblical thing. You see, I believe when she gets to expound on that, 
we are going to realize that this is the doctrine of pre-election. And this is, others call it the doctrine of predestination. Says Busi, I really look forward to those teachings in the future. <laughs> Pre-election, predestination. And, and look, there's a lot of scriptures that speak into that. Um, I was listening to one preacher. One preacher says, uh, every Christian believes in pre-election. Anyway, that is a topic for another day. Uh, again, says Busi, you know, I'm waiting patiently. I, I hope it won't take two years. Now, now today, brothers and sisters, um, as we go into the book of Zephaniah, here is one thing that I would love to share with you, or rather that I would want to remind you of. You know, um, I, I think you have observed in, should I say, in the past year, generally when I have spoken to you, the children of God, I have had this desire, I've always had this passion of warning the children of God. You see, it's a different ministry. I, I know people call me the evangelist because when you see me in the street, ordinarily I would be sharing Christ with people. But when I am with the children of God, um, I found that I need to warn children of God about apostates, about false doctrine, about false teachings. You see, I can warn you about that. But you see, today I'll warn you about a false prophet. And the next time it will not be a false prophet, it will be a false apostle. So, you know, you know um, I think Ntate Mukwena has spoken into this before in the past. He has explained to us that, you see, in the bank, bank tellers, they are not taught how to identify fake notes. They are taught to identify the correct notes. So that if a note is not the correct one, what does it mean? It is fake. Are you with me? And how do we get to see or to know that the banknote is the correct one? How do we get to know that this teaching is the correct one? We can only do that if we know in terms of the word of God or in terms of the word. We need to know the word of God. And Paul was very clear. This is, going to, this is part of the conclusion. It says, study to show yourselves approved. Study to show yourselves approved. And how are we going to know that this is the true gospel? The only way we're going to know that this is the true gospel is if we read God's word. Look, you can listen to tapes and tapes and videos and DVDs and YouTube. And what is this new thing? TikTok and... What, what else? All of those. Uh, but if you do not study to show yourself approved, says Palace, it will not help. Right. Brothers and sisters, uh, today I'm standing here because I have a heavy heart. I have a heavy heart, brothers and sisters, because that which was prophesied in the word, that which Christ warned us about, that which Paul and other apostles warned us about, that which a lot of prophets in the Old Testament warned us about, is already happening. Brothers and sisters, the church of God has been infiltrated. I know it is a very uncomfortable thing to speak about, but who cares? As long as I'm telling you the truth, even if it's uncomfortable, actually for two days, children of God, I was not sure if I was fit to come and stand here. I actually wanted to, you know, says Busi, if there were no people in the first three rows, I was going to say, you know, there's no love, so let me come closer to you. I was hoping there would be no people. I was going to stand there, you know. You know be, because, brothers and sisters, the church of God has been infiltrated. Brothers and sisters, as children of God, we must never abdicate or neglect our responsibility. As a children of God, 
we need to be discerning. And, you know, unfortunately, when as children of God we are discerning, that is, if we judge, if we question things, people say, yeah, um, uh, you think you know too much. You are judgmental. In fact, are you aware that there is a sin of non-discernment? Were you aware of that? That non-discernment is actually a sin. Um, can I read from the book of Romans for you? Um, standard. I read from the New King James Version. It's a topic for another day as to why I read from that. Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32 reads as follows. And even as, okay, I'm, you see, what I want to tell you is in verse 32, but I'm reading from verse 28 because I'm practicing what I teach. Are you with me? Now, Romans 1, 28 to 32 tells us this. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave, gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are, not which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. Now, now they start. Sexual okay, unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Then comes this one that they never tell you about, undiscerning. Can you see that it is actually amongst the sins? And then it continues. Untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. Okay, I read all of that because I wanted to warn you, children of God, that undiscernment or being undiscerning does not make you a good Christian. You see, being undiscerning is actually clubbed together with murderers, with unloving, with unforgiving, with backbiters and haters, and with those who are violent. So, brothers and sisters, so it is important that you, as a child of God, need to be discerning. And how do you become discerning if you do not spend time in the word of God? How do you, how do you get that right? I'm going to show you a few examples more towards the end, brothers and sisters. So as a believer, brothers and sisters, we have a duty to be discerning. Now, brothers and sisters, I've said this before with you. I've shared this before with you. I've, I'm repeating what I said earlier. It is important that whatever I teach, whatever I share with you, you can question that. Go search the scriptures. If I have said something that is unscriptural, challenge me. Not me. Challenge every preacher. Maybe if we started doing that, the church of God would come right. Now, I'm actually very happy that I'm part of the Assembly of God family. And in the Assembly of God family, part of our doctrine, part of what we believe in is the sufficiency of Scripture. Let me make it easy. The sufficiency of Scripture means that whatever we need to know, whatever we need to claim is in this book. If it is not in this book, if you hear me say to you, the Lord spoke to me, please, my brother, my sister, ask me to show you where he spoke to me from in this book. It has to be from this book. It cannot be from anywhere else. Brothers and sisters, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I know I'm taking you through a lot of scriptures, 
But, um, um, but Dr. Lamaquarela, you remember we used to have Bible studies and only a few of us used to come. Unfortunately, you know, now we have to, you know, to sneak the Bible studying into our sermons. Now, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Did you get that? In the past, he spoke through the prophets. Verse 2. Has in these last days spoken to us by what or by who? By his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So, brothers and sisters, he spoke through the prophets, and then his son came, and then his son gave the word to those apostles, those apostles, and from there it ended. And the assembly of God believes in that. So, if, God, if I say to you, God spoke to me, it must be from this word. Are we okay, church? Are we okay, church? Um, you know, it's said that before I start teaching, I actually have to go through all of that because the issue that I want to deal with today is a difficult one. And before I get into it, I must defend what I'm going to talk about and also invite you to challenge me through scriptures. We're going to read from the book of Zephaniah. Uh, before we, okay, we, we're going to be reading the third chapter. Um, the song that played before we, we before I, as, I, as I came to, to the stage pulpit is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. That is not our main text. Our, our main text is the next verse. You see, my main text is one verse, but I say to you, read the entire chapter. In fact, read the entire book. Now, a brief, brief history, Zephaniah was a prophet who, you know, who, who prophesied in the days of King Josiah. King Josiah became king at the age of eight. And this young king was one king whose father, Amon, did horrible things and um, the father was actually assassinated by some of his family members or by some of his people. Now, well, you can find that in the book of 2 Kings chapter 22. Now, in, no, sorry, in chapter 21. Chapter 22 tells us that Josiah did that which was right before the Lord. So, you see, when Zephaniah was prophesying, he was prophesying in an easier period because the king was, was, the king was part of helping the people or encouraging the people to return to their heavenly father. Now, in the New King James Version, it reads as follows. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Verse 18, I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Um, I wanted to use um, other translations so that it becomes easier, uh, but I, have, I took the liberty to use other versions and to try and look at original texts. Unfortunately, the closest to the original texts is the, New King, is the New King James Version and the King James Version. Now, verse um, 18 in the King James Version, it says, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it is a burden. I know Mam Tombeni understands this, you know. I, I notice she reads, the New, she reads the King James Version only. 
Now, brothers and sisters, there are a million things that I could be talking about today. It could take us today, tomorrow, and you know, it, we could go into several other days, you know, trying to talk uh, about things that afflict the church today. Um, you realize that I'm reading more towards the end of the book of Zephaniah, as I said, um, and um, I hope you, Zephaniah is only three chapters. I hope you'll take the time to, to go read this book of Zephaniah. You know, as you read this, takes me back to it's a love thing. And our salvation is God's work. It is not ours. You will realize that God, even in the book of Zephaniah, does not say everybody will be saved because if I was to say that to you, that is a lie. The Lord desires that everybody be saved. But he does not say that everybody will be saved. Now, we go back to the book of Zephaniah. You'll see that God says he will gather those who do what? Who sorrow for the solemn assembly. He will gather only those that do that. Brothers and sisters, Zephaniah here is actually talking to the people of God who are pained, who are in pain because of what, was, what is happening in their days. In this day, there is reproach. I tried to find other meanings for the word reproach. Reproach can be equated to shame. It can be um, equated to disgrace, to blaspheme, to embarrassment. This is what these are the experiences that are being felt by the children of God as they lived in those days. And if you check all of this reproach did not come because they had themselves sinned, but it, the reproach was there because they had been misled. Did you get that? They sin because they have been misled. Is that, not, is that not what is happening today, brothers and sisters? You can answer yourself. Brothers and sisters, is it not time for us now, as God's children, to call a solemn... Maybe let me explain what a solemn assembly is. Um, there actually are 18 areas in the Bible where you will find the exact words solemn assembly used. Or um, in the New King James Version, it is called the appointed assembly. Now, the solemn assembly was a situation, was the eighth day. For seven days, the children of God would go on a fast. And on the eighth day, Everybody would cleanse themselves and then come together in this, okay, the word solemn sometimes means serious, eh? They would come into this serious gathering as children of God and pray. To, remember, they have cleansed themselves for seven days. And this was the day where they felt they could actually approach the presence of God. So this is a solemn assembly. Now, God says, he will himself call a solemn assembly. My brother, my sister, wouldn't you want to be part of that solemn assembly that is called by a heavenly father? You see, for you to qualify to be part of that solemn assembly, you need to have this reproach, this embarrassment, this disgrace as a burden in your own heart. As I said earlier, the Church of Jesus Christ is under attack. And sadly, those who blaspheme, those who are attacking the Church of God, are not atheists, are not communists or socialists, 
But those who are trying to destroy the church of God are people who claim to be children of God. Now, um, it's a topic for another day. I've hinted on this before. Um, on, four, on five occasions, Paul mentions people that actually worked against him in scriptures. Um, it is not my intention today to be um, calling, calling out people. Um, well, we, we, maybe we might, you know, more towards the end. Um, but the church of Jesus Christ is under attack because we, as children of God, have shepherds. Now, a few weeks ago, I, I didn't go back to my notes. Uh, about a month or so ago, uh, the princess of the house shared with us about the shepherd. You remember that? When she spoke about the shepherd. She spoke about the shepherd of Psalm 23. But if you look at the shepherd of Psalm 23 and look at the shepherd of uh, Ezekiel 34, the shepherd of Ezekiel 34 is the, I mean, God says these shepherds, they actually eat the flock. They take the wool of the sheep. They feed themselves. That's not me. That's what the Bible says. They feed themselves. And shepherds are supposed to be like Psalm 23. Brothers and sisters, you know, we, um, I, I listened to somebody um, who actually, um, I think he passed away in 2017, um, um, Pastor Dave, Dave Wilkerson. He, he, calls, he called this the, the love trap. Um, I ordinarily do not quote people, quote scriptures when I'm on the pulpit, but I actually love this concept of the love trap where, you know, we say we love everybody. We agree, you know, as long as they are preaching Christ. But how do we agree with somebody that preaches Christ, but we know that they are a wolf. They are, not the, they are the shepherd of Ezekiel 34, not the shepherd of Psalm 23. Now, Amos says, you know, I'm saying brothers and sisters, I'm just warning you, let us not get trapped or let us not get caught up in the love trap. Because Amos 3, verse 3 says, or begs the question, can two walk together unless they agree? Some versions would say, unless, I can't remember the right word it uses, but what it means is that unless there is an agreement in terms of their theology, you know, if I'm to, to stretch it. Well, brothers and sisters, in spite of my moaning and grumbling, um, I want you to, to realize this. Jewel chapter 1 verse 14 also calls for a fast which will culminate, which will end in a solemn assembly. And when you read the book of Jewel chapter 1, this is part of what he says. And I'm intentional about using this specific scripture because I've heard so many people abuse this specific scripture. I'm reading it to you. I'm not going to expound on it. I'm challenging you to go read the book of Joel. Even if you read the first two chapters only, it will be fine. You will understand what it, what it actually says. It says, the seed shrivels under the clothes. Storehouses are in shambles. Barns are broken down, for the grain has withered. The heads of cattle are restless because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep suffer punishment. And... Um, when I come before you, I say to you, the storehouses are in shambles. Not because the storehouse of the Lord is in shambles. Maybe before I, I continue, 
brothers and sisters, um, it's, I'm shooting off, hopefully I won't lose anyone. We are saying the storehouse is in shambles. Brothers and sisters, in this house you heard, we've, we've just spoken about the, what is it, the pantry what, box, pantry? Pantry? Or oh, people's pantry. Brothers and sisters, the people's pantry. We have called, or the, rather the leadership of the church is calling for a people's pantry because they realize the storehouse is in shambles. You go to the book of Malachi, the third chapter, the scripture that we love to use uh, when we encourage people to give. Brothers and sisters, God's children are hungry. So may I encourage you to support the people's pantry because the storehouse is in shambles and there is no grain for other children of God in this house. I, I hope that helps. I hope you understand that as children of God. Let's come back to what we're talking about. Brothers and sisters, I, I believe we, we should be very careful that we do not plant rotten seeds as children of God. Blessings, I would like you to, to play us um, the first clip that I would like us to, to look at as, um, maybe before he even plays that, brothers and sisters, I would like to warn you, this is very uncomfortable. This is very uncomfortable what we're going to see now. But unfortunately, brothers and sisters, I, I believe I have the duty to share with God's children. I believe I have to warn God's children. I believe I have the duty to teach God's children. It will be uncomfortable what we are going to, to watch or listen to just now. Genesis chapter 8. The Bible says in Genesis 8:22 that as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest are the principles through which the prosperity of God is demonstrated. Genesis 8:22 says that. Can I have the light on, please? Now, this is a scripture that is taken from the book of Genesis, indeed. Those words come from the book of Genesis. Let us find the context. You remember Noah, the ark, the one that they laughed at, and now the Lord has saved his people. Now, let's start from verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took off every clean animal and of every clean bed and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Right? Are you with me, church? While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Did we get that? That little text, that little clip is saying to us, There's time for seed and harvest. It does not give us the context. And the seed, unfortunately, is you 
giving me your money. Brothers and sisters, I warned you it will be a bit uncomfortable. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, I want to give you another example where two people have unfortunately decided to equate themselves to the Lord. Shall we do the second one? I know the, the, the audio was not very clear, so you'll bear with us. Pastor, we get the mind of God we about get the... His will. We pray it. When we pray it, we give Him legal right to perform it. Yes. Let me define prayer for you in this show. Prayer is man giving God permission or license to interfere in earth's affairs. In other words, prayer is earthly license for heavenly interference. That's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. God could do nothing on earth, nothing has God ever done on earth without a human giving him access. So he's always looking for that somebody. Always looking for a human to give him power, permission. In other words, God has the power, but you get the permission. God got the authority and the power, but you got the license. So even though God could do anything, he can only do what you permit him to do. You know, when Tate Mukwena spoke about the mystery of Christ, you remember he warned us that we must be careful where we eat, where we feed. Brothers and sisters, we are being told that we give God permission. Eh? And, you know, in quotes, believers are even clapping hands. Well, brothers and sisters, that was said in a church conference setting. Let's hear what the Bible says. Shall we open Psalm 115, verse 3? Are you there? Psalm is very easy to get, man. How? It's, it's, it's not like Zephaniah. Psalm is very easy to get. Psalm 115, verse 3. As I said, you know, my default text will all, is New King James Version. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Did you get that? Now, um, then, I, then, you know, I get into a discussion with, a, with a, bluntly a prosperity, you know, believer. And he says, I, I read the scripture, and then he says, but yeah, you know, God only can do whatever he pleases in heaven. And then I say, oh, really? Let us go to Psalm 135, verse 6. Also in the book of Psalms, so it's, it shouldn't be very far from where you are. Now... Let me, can I read it to you? Psalm 135, verse 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and in earth. In the seas and in all deep places. That is my God. So, so, so br brothers and sisters, <laughs> um, my invitation to you and my challenge to you again still stands. We need to become discerning. We need to repent from the sin of undiscernment of, of, or of undiscerning. Maybe um, let's hear what, what one other preacher says, you know. Um, I, I call them preachers because that's what they are called, eh? Um. 
Christians have frank and open conversations with each other. I've done that with the Lord. I've had the Lord say, uh, Jesse, I've had God come tell me, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I've had the Lord say, what do you think about this? God has asked me for my opinion. You can carry their blessings. You can carry them. God. You, can, you see, God asked him for his opinion. How arrogant can one be, brothers and sisters? How arrogant can you be? God asking me for my opinion. Oh, foolish me. Oh, foolish Galatian. Who has bewitched you? And we believe such nonsense. Now, maybe I'm just being angry, you know. Maybe I'm just being emotional. Let's hear what the word of God says about me giving counsel to the Lord. You see? Let's go to the Bible. Isaiah chapter 40. Verses 13 and 14. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? Who of us can teach anything to the Lord. If you join us in Dawn Prayer, we've also done another song that says, who can give counsel to the Lord? So I again invite you to join us in our Dawn Prayers. Now, brothers and sisters, there are a lot of other areas where I wish I could share with you. Um, but I will not have the time to do that today. Maybe, you know, in due time, the Lord will grant us grace. The Lord will enable us to talk about some of these things. Says um, you know, I miss, you remember, we, we used to be just here, you know, every Sunday evening. We would be about 10, 12 maximum. You know, I, I wish we could come back to those days where we would go back and study the word of God. But because we do not have, you know, we do not have that passion to study the word of God in Bible study sessions. You know, maybe let me share a few things with you. You know, there's one thing that pains my heart. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I'm going to be very brutal in this case, you know. This prosperity gospel where, which excludes the mystery of Christ. Number two, you know, the misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit, you know. I've, I've had people talk of um, laughing in the Spirit. I, I you know, you know me, I, I, I'll, I'll go search. And these days there's also Google, you know. And, uh, you know, we laugh about things and we say and we, say we are laughing in the Spirit. I, I have not found that in the Word. And brothers and sisters, I, I, I believe this word, this word is the complete word of God. Anything that is outside this, it's man-made. It, it is not of the Lord. It does not come from the Lord. Now, the third thing, brothers and sisters, that unfortunately the church has downplayed is the issue of um, depravity. This is where preachers, um, you know, I think it was Brajon who spoke about, you know, you know, the downplaying of depravity, where we, we no longer speak about sin from our pulpits because we will offend people. And, you know, we don't want to offend people. Um, and I guarantee you, in the next episode of it's a love story. She will tell you that God loves you so much, but he hates your sin. And because he hates your sin, and if you continue in it, you will go to hell. I guarantee you, it is a love story. God loves us so much. He enables us. And unfortunately, Every time we speak about being enabled by God, it is him enabling us to make more money. 
Can I, can I stop there, brothers and sisters? As I conclude, I would like you to remember, brothers and sisters, that we have a sovereign God. And honestly, this is what comforts my heart. It gives me solace. It gives me peace. Because he is mighty. And in due time, he will execute his justice. And in spite of us refusing to be true representatives of our Heavenly Father or of his true gospel, our God will reign forever and ever, with or without us. My call to you, brothers and sisters, who wants to join this solemn assembly? Who wants this reproach to be a burden to him? Who wants to join me, brothers and sisters, as we walk with our heads in shame, in disgrace, in embarrassment, because there are those who have taken away the word of God and turned it into a business enterprise, into cults, into something else. Brothers and sisters, this is my invitation to you. Who wants to join me as we carry this burden? This reproach, I repeat, is a burden. I believe it is a burden. Who wants to join me as we carry this reproach? Can we, as children of God, call for a solemn assembly like Zephaniah says, like Jewel says, I think it's also in the second chapter, the 15th verse, he says, call a solemn assembly Come before the Lord in rags, in ashes, and then call, us, call a solemn assembly on the eighth day. As the worship comes to the front, I would like to say this to you. I am still hopeful because some musicians inspired by the word of God, inspired by Zephaniah, the third chapter, the 17th verse, and also inspired by um, Isaiah chapter 6, the first verse as well. They say, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. He is mighty, oh so mighty. And they continue and say, and oh I saw him high and lifted up, his power and grace and authority. I saw him lifted up with power and grace and authority. Brothers and sisters, I truly would love to invite you. Let us call a solemn assembly and go back to our Heavenly Father. Let us, as children of God, you know, Christ did not die for us so that we can flaunt our material things, those things that are corruptible, but Christ called us to salvation. Christ did not die for us for those things, but Christ died that we shall be saved. And we as his people, we as his children, can I invite you that we call a solemn assembly. We take time out, cry out to our Heavenly Father and say, Father, we repent. And those of us who are shepherds, 
we repent from eating the sheep, the cattle, and say we are going to look after the sheep, after the cattle. I will gather thee. That's what the Lord promises. He says, I will gather thee. You see, whether we like it or not, our Heavenly Father, He will gather them that sorrow for that solemn assembly. Who are amongst us? To, who, to whom its reproach, its embarrassment, its blaspheme is a burden. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you that, Lord, you continue to speak into our hearts. Father, you continue to convict us. Father, we, we are thankful that, Lord, your, your word is complete. Father, there is sufficiency in your scripture. Father, your word is enough. Father, we need nothing more than your word. Father, we come before you this morning. We say, Lord, speak into our hearts. And Father, as you speak into our hearts, we pray that, Lord, you, you will help us, Father, as your children. Father, your word says you will take away our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh. Father, enable us to receive those hearts of flesh so that we can repent and return to you. And Father, as we return to you, we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will continue to speak into us. And Father, allow us, make it indeed a burden for us, Father Lord God. May this reproach be a burden. Enable us, Father Lord God, to always be ready to defend your word, to defend your truth. For Father, your word is life. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. We seek your face. We say, Father, speak into our hearts and help us, Father Lord God, to be who you want us to be. We cry out to you, Father, because, Father, we have no other hope. Our only hope is you, Father. Because, Father, you are the one that will gather us together as your children. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.